When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. On this episode of Awesome Etiquette, we tackle your questions on who sits at the head table at a wedding, how to get your guests to wash up before helping in the kitchen, how to handle inviting exes to parties, good responses for when your gender is mistaken, and posting anonymous notes at work. All that plus a postscript segment on brunch straight from Emily herself. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be a part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning from the Emily Post Institute. Hey! It's a beautiful day. <laughs> I know, it's like raining. And <laughs> it is, although we've had the most stunning week of the year. I know. I lucked out big time. All the, the like group text messages were, no, not going to golf for Tuesday lady tonight. Not going to do it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go. And sure enough, I had just a little drizzle of rain and then nice, warm, clear evening. I was so happy out there. Well, and, and let me take it a step further and, and share with everyone out there that this is um, maybe the last day of what I would call leaf peeper peak season. Maybe the high point was Sunday. Maybe it was Monday. Maybe it was Tuesday, depending on whether you prefer <laughs> right. the slightly yellower, fresher tones or the rustier, redder tones. No but matter it's what. absolute fire right I now. I feel like I'm dodging peepers on the street. Like I was house sitting in in Charlotte and on Lake Road there's a nice spot to like you know get beautiful it's pictures a nice drive of the out there. Well, and the Adirondacks are across the lake so it's like it's a real beautiful scene. And every time I would come around before the covered bridge I would just be like, "Oh my goodness, like and you're only going like, you know, 20 miles an mm-hmm. hour at that point, but it still is like they're everywhere." It's absolutely it's no joke the busiest weekend of the year it and is. there's a nice little etiquette turn here because as a as a region we turn on our hospitality at this time of the year. We do. And what was the story my mom was telling me when she remembers when she moved up to Vermont in the 70s they used to do these announcements on the radio asking people to take people into their homes. Nuh-uh. Yes, people would drive up to Vermont and all of the little inns and hotels would be booked. People wouldn't be planning it or anticipating it and there would be people in state. This is pre-internet, pre-booking lots of reservations. Um, I'm Thinking pre-Airbnb. Exactly. And (laughs) so it used to really be a thing of where they they begged people, open your doors. Like, find someone without a place to stay and maybe (gasps) offer to help out. Oh, my (laughs) gosh. And That's so funny. It is nice. And Vermonters are, were known to be a little reticent. It's nice to watch people um, uh, turn it on a little bit and uh, take some pride in, in welcoming people here because it is a special time of year. There nice. you have it. Come to Vermont. Either you'll be hit by a car or you'll be welcomed into a home. <laughs> <laughs> no. I hope not. As I you... know. It is It is re- truly, though. I mean, our state is known for it and, and the whole Northeast is known for it. It is absolutely stunning out there right now. The magentas, the hot oranges, the soft 
soft yellows. I mean, it's really it's so, kicked up a notch this year. Around here, it's it's a it's part of the general talk. What kind of year is it? This was yeah. a particularly nice one. We had the beautiful fall, and then the cold came quickly, so everything turned really nicely without rain until yesterday. So everything was still on the trees. I'm staring at Dan blankly because I'm like, how dare you say that the cold is here and fall is over? It is not true. We are not yet there. It is mid-October, my friend. It is time to wrestle with reality fall. and come to terms. Winter doesn't start till like December, dude. I guess technically our solstice is yeah, still a couple just months away. Back but... off a little bit there. We have had 60 degree Thanksgivings and I'm holding out. <laughs> I'm holding out. Anyway, well, I think we've probably rambled on about our, our state and the seasons for forever. You want to get to some questions? I think that's a good idea. All right. Sure, you're right. But there's so much to learn how to do. Sure, there's a lot to learn, but it's worth it. And learning is easy. One way is by watching others. On each and every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave. Our first question has to do with who sits at the head table at a wedding. Thank you for such a thoughtful and much-needed podcast. I look forward to it every week. I have already learned many tips for my upcoming wedding, but have a question I haven't been able to find a clear answer for. We are having a small wedding and plan to have a head table consisting of the bridal party. I know that we may also include our parents and other close family members at this table. My question is this. My groom's sister will be attending the wedding with her husband and teenage son, but I don't want to start adding too many extra people to our head table. Would it be acceptable to seat only the groom's single parent that is attending and his sister and seat the sister's husband and son at a different table? Incidentally, if we did this, it would also create a balanced table. Thank you for your advice on this matter. Sincerely, Jeanette. So this is one where I'm hoping, Jeanette, that you won't be upset by the answer, but um, balance table or not, you really shouldn't be splitting updates for a wedding, even at a head table. It's one thing if the husband and the son weren't coming. Um, you don't have to seat the son at the table, but generally speaking, you want to keep dates together, and that's just a part of it. Um, seating at a wedding is actually a really difficult thing. It truly, mm-hmm. truly is. Trying to make sure that people sit with people they can talk with, maybe some people that they know, but other people they can mingle with. It's a complicated ordeal, so I don't want to throw a huge wrench into what is definitely a stressful part of wedding planning for you, but I really think it's important that you keep these two together. It's pretty darn awkward to have her show up at a wedding, especially be a part of the wedding party, and then ask her to sit away from her date for the night. And it's this is her husband, you know. I, I would agree. And yeah. on several levels, it is a really tricky thing, these seating charts. I avoided it completely. Yeah, didn't you even guys want to did. Deal with there, it. Were no, there were no seating charts. Yours or your brother's wedding. Yep. But We'd, Anna's there was. At my sister's wedding, there was. And she faced a lot of these questions. I remember her wrestling with Yeah, them. she did. I remember one of her bridesmaids um, is married and has a, two kids now. And the the whole family was seated at the head table with us, and I was seated at the head table with my date. Um, it, it Generally, you do want to keep those dates together, I think, it, if you're going to go the assigned seating route. I mean, you're, you're even tougher, I think, than I would be. I was thinking about the, the special nature of the marriage relationship, that you really uh-huh. take those couples and together and treat them as a unit, yes, treat them as totally. one. And, and it's true about how we address people, and it's in all kinds of social circumstances or situations. So you how really, am I tougher? 
uh, you're you're allowing um, that same treatment for dates as well, and I think it's appropriate. I wouldn't oh, separate someone yeah. from their date. No. In my head, I had been thinking, you know, you don't Just separate a married husband couple. And wife. Uh, you yeah, don't yeah. Husband okay, and wife, now I get but... what you're talking about. My date actually did know other people. It was my godfather's son, so he knew other people there. But if he hadn't known other people, or if she hadn't known other people, that would be very awkward to just put them at a random tables for the night. So yeah, I really think it, it's important to to keep them together. Um, and remember, you can always, you don't have to have a head table. You can split people up in general. Try to get creative that way, but don't split up couples. Yeah. So good luck with the rest of your planning. We hope it's a fabulous wedding, Jeanette. Our next question has to do with washing up before you help in the kitchen. To stay healthy, I am careful to always wash my hands before working in my kitchen or preparing food. I keep a bottle of hand sanitizer on the kitchen counter near the entrance. I try not to be too irrational in my germaphobe ways, and I don't force the behavior on others. However, I have a hard time when guests gather in my kitchen and end up helping to prepare food or poking around the refrigerator when they have obviously not washed their hands. Often, I know that these guests have come to our house directly from the airport or from mass transit, and I can't help but cringe at the nasty things that are probably on their hands and then all over our kitchen and food. They don't help themselves to the hand sanitizer or the sink, and I feel rude to ask them to wash up or make a point of cleaning up behind them. How can I encourage a healthy and clean kitchen without being rude? I often offer them to settle in, or I'll point out the powder room when they arrive just in case they want to wash up, but they don't take the hint. Thank you, Healthy in Washington. Awesome etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, Mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? (laughs) StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. (laughs) After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. 
Well, Healthy in Washington, thank you for the question. This is a relatively common one that hosts have. And how do you bring guests into your home and uh, acquaint them with your standards? And you can do it with sort of some gentle direction. You don't need to be that person who's who's imposing on everyone. Maybe some language like, uh, here here's a hand towel <laughs> so you can wash up and help. Even something as simple as that, really give the direction, but, but do it from a place of accommodation, not from a place of judgment. Right. It's light and breezy. Um, you know, like if Dan asked me, hey, do you want any help in the kitchen? Sure. Let me get you a hand towel so you can wash up. Or sure, um, you know, let me just change that soap for you. I know it's low. Or, I mean, obviously it needs to actually be the circumstance. And then have those things prepared. Clearly you're going to have some hand soap in a pumpable thing by the sink so that someone's not using the dish soap on their hands. Have a fresh, clean hand towel for them. You're reminding me with this question, though, that different people have different standards in their kitchen. For some people, it's the sponge for the sink and the sponge for the counter. And the idea that those two sponges (laughs) would cross or wouldn't is really strange to people who either do or don't have a kitchen that they keep that way. So you're you're not out of line at all familiarizing someone with what your standards are in the kitchen when they come to help you. And you've touched on one of the finer points of of kitchen etiquette for me personally, which is having clean hand towels in the kitchen. Available. (laughs) Exactly. So so often people, and myself included, are really good about changing the hand towels in the bathroom. There's often good fresh linen there. Sometimes that the hand towel in the kitchen, sometimes it hangs out for a while. It's been there. It's been used. Uh, It gets a little greasier. Maybe it's crossed the line between drying dishes and drying hands. And sometimes I look at those hand towels. I've got a little bit of a question in my mind about how clean they are. And I think that's a great place to slide in your standards and then let someone, oh, we got really fresh towels here for you. (laughs) I'm really excited about these fresh towels. (laughs) I'd be excited if you presented them to me. But I do. I like that idea. Have have a spot for fresh towels. Have some nice hand soap and invite people to do that. I like the idea that you kind of just assume that you are offering them something they would have just asked you for. And then it gives them the hint without kind of forcing it on them like, you want to wash up, right? And that's the subtlety and art of hosting, that you create the expectation so your guests can be successful and at ease and feel good about doing those things and and playing those roles. Your secondary role as a host is to be accepting and to be understanding if a guest fails to pick up those cues. That That's one of the things about inviting people into your home. And and I I see that awareness in your question. And I really appreciate that also. It's quite possible that there's someone who in the cab on the way there from the airport was using hand sanitizer. It's equally possible someone just used your powder room and didn't wash up on their way out. And you can't ask to check their hands. There's not a lot you can do about it. So in those moments, take a deep breath and remember when everybody's gone, you can wipe everything down. And on that note, we'll (laughs) say healthy in Washington. Good luck. (laughs) Our next question is titled, Who Gets the Friends? And it truly is a classic. Hello. I'm dating a recently divorced man. His ex is dating an acquaintance who happens to be part of one of my friend circles. The exes do not get along. Two of my friends have expressed discomfort not knowing which couple or both to invite to social gatherings, not wanting anyone to feel awkward. What's the best way to handle this type of circumstance? Is there anything I need to do to manage our friend group? Best, Beverly. Oh, Beverly, this is a tough one, but... I actually happen to really like the solution. Um, I am going to give you two solutions. The first is you can tell your friends either stick to inviting just one couple at a time to events and parties and, you know, everyone else is just going to have to deal with missing out on the other half of the parties and events that you all throw. It's certainly possible. But 
I happen to think that the good etiquette answer is to invite both parties and let them deal with it. They should be on their best behavior in social situations. So your Agreed. your boyfriend, man that you're dating, um, or you know his ex, they need to be able to at least interact. Now that doesn't always happen. Some people don't, and only you guys are going to know whether or not. You can be in the same room and just avoid each other and move around each other or whether or not that's not possible. I would rather see both couples get invited to all of these parties and have the couples, maybe the people who can talk to each other, talk and say, hey, listen, why don't you guys go to this one or you guys go to that one or, you know, we'll go. But I'm just not going to say hi and please understand that. That sort of – I would rather see that than to see the hosts be put in the awkward situation of having to deal with the mess that the exes are in. Well, and, and mess, not mess, those situations are so complicated. Asking They're the so complex. friend group to try to negotiate that is, is practically impossible. There are so many subtleties, so many um, intricacies, ins and outs, and, and it might not even be about the situation. It might just be about someone's particular feelings at that particular time. And On that day, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. It's so really in so many ways, if you're not making the firm line of I'm just going to invite this couple this time for whatever reason, it's really best to let the former couple work that out for themselves. And I truly believe that it's something that you might have anxiety and nerves about. But I tell you, nine times out of 10, it goes smoothly because both of the exes just don't want to have to deal with each other. And so they just kind of don't at that party. Mm. And if you need to remind your partner, hey, Tonight is not the night to talk about your ex with other people. Tonight is the night to focus on the other people, focus on the fun, good things that we're all doing. Talk about those things. Sometimes that social experience, the witnesses to a relationship or a former relationship can really help normalize some of those feelings and and, um, diffuse some of those expectations. Beverly, we hope that helps. And we hope that you and your boyfriend, man's, your the guy you're dating's your, ex, your I hope you all can get, thank you. I hope that you all can get along and have a good time so that socially you can really enjoy your social circles. Best of luck to you, Beverly. This uh, question came in titled by our listener as Dude Looks Like a Lady. Dear Lizzie and Dan, I love your podcast and I listen to it every day to and from work. I am so glad there's a place people can learn better etiquette and ask their awkward questions. My husband and I are both in our mid-20s, 5'4 and baby-faced. We are often mistaken for being 17 or often called ladies. My husband does not look feminine, nor does he dress like it or have long hair by any means. He does have a high-pitched voice, which doesn't help. We've dealt with the occasions as it happened, but this week on vacation, it happened three times in two days and started to take a toll on his confidence. I did say he would like a refill, which I try to do when this happens, but I don't always get the chance. And we received a sincere apology, which was nice. I wondered how to handle these situations, if I should say something or if he should, what exactly to say, and if you had any advice on how to help him appear more, I suppose, manly, since he can't grow facial hair. It's difficult for us to be confrontational, like, he's a man. Do we need to just get over this? Is there a better way of doing this, or should we just ignore them and learn to laugh about it? I'm not easily offended. Thanks so much, Stephanie. What do you think? I think this is a question that 
requires a little bit of subtlety. And I I appreciate the different perspectives that Stephanie brings when she asks the question. I want to start to break it down and look at uh, each point (laughs) along the way. I do think that you're always in safe territory to correct somebody if you're giving them the information that they need to continue well or to proceed in a way that that everyone's going to be the most comfortable. So you definitely make the correction and you make it as quickly um, and as comfortably as possible. And This is where I like the second part of your question where you talk about how after this has happened multiple times, it starts to wear on you, maybe on your patients, maybe even starts to affect your and your husband's confidence. Well, yeah, that's what she said. It's affecting his confidence three times in two days. And that's where it gets really tricky. And that's where you need to hold your territory and remind yourself that that this is a new interaction and you've just got to go back to that reset. And we give this advice in all kinds of situations, however you're feeling in that particular moment. Um, you just make that correction. You do it in a way that, again, is as kind as possible because uh, one bad turn does not always deserve another. And maybe someone has rushed to judgment or has jumped to a conclusion, but maybe they haven't. Maybe they're doing the best that they can also. And it's always a good idea to give the other person that credit, the benefit of that doubt. Language? What do you think? Actual words? He would like a refill. Isn't bad. In the no, your, I thought that that was a pretty smooth tactic. It kind of is. The only slight point of etiquette there is that every, whenever you talk about someone else who's present in the third person, you don't want to use a pronoun. Technically, it's a little bit impolite to your husband because now yeah. you're talking about him as if he's not there. That's the, the the etiquette rule around pronouns when someone else is present and. I think George this is, would like a refill. How's that? We don't know his name. It could be one of those gender neutral names. But. So in some ways, that's actually a pretty – it's a subtle way to kind of slide it in there. At yeah. the same time, it's not technically correct. I think this is one of those places where I might go with not technically correct because you're yeah. correcting sort of a higher order But she problem. could use his name. She could use yep. his name and that would leave us at respectful and as long as his name is a masculine name yep. with no question where, you know, it's it's not like Sam I, or something, which can be both. George, what do you think? Yeah. <laughs> would you like some more? And exactly. That's that's one way to go. As far as the confidence question goes, we definitely live in a time where more and more people are getting more used to a concept of gender that's more fluid. Living today in the era of Caitlyn Jenner. We have people who are broadening and looking out and and sometimes they might see someone who to them looks masculine but might have a feminine voice and therefore they want to – they aren't sure which way to go. They pick away and it's wrong. And we as the person receiving that need to be okay saying – either ignoring it and not worrying about it or simply saying, I'm actually a sir but thank you very much. And that way the person doesn't feel bad. You can feel okay standing up for yourself. Well um, done. I really like that tone of voice. It was, And it's, and it's so funny, funny how much of it has to do with just tone. I like it better than I'm a man or like <laughs> – or, or as we read in the, in the book at one point, actually my name is – you know, actually I'm a man. It, that kind of gives that little twinge of like yeah. I'm correcting you but you could just say I'm a, I'm a sir but thank you. <laughs> Pooja and I had a really lovely dinner for our second anniversary last Thursday, and we both got carded. And I said to Pooja, you know, you're getting to be that age where it starts to be a real honor and a privilege. So enjoy those baby faces. (laughs) (laughs) Best of luck, Stephanie. We really hope that that helps. This question is titled Notes to a Food Thief. (laughs) Good morning, Lizzie and Daniel. I discovered your podcast about three weeks ago, and I'm happy to say as of today, I'm finally current. I'm going to give you a golf clap. That's a lot of episodes. Bravo. Recently, we have had issues with people's food items coming up missing in my office. My bottle of juice that I can't drink tea without has gone missing for the second time. 
fed up, I left a tight note on the fridge that read, Dear employees, recently someone has decided to help themselves to items in the fridge that they did not place there. This is a communal fridge, not a self-service station. Please try to govern yourselves with a higher level of integrity. Woo, that's a note. <laughs> the note was unsigned, but I'd like to note that the next day the note was removed and my juice had been returned. Interesting. <laughs> I just wonder, in retrospect, if that was the best way to go about it. Your thoughts? Sincerely, Tea Time in Texas. Oh, passive-aggressive notes. <laughs> is that passive-aggressive or is that assertive? That actually might be aggressive-aggressive. <laughs> Maybe not physically aggressive, but that's a oh, tea that time. That was a call-out, no question. Tea time, you called him out. and that You're right, that note might have been unsigned, but clearly whoever it was that had snagged the juice knew what was missing, what was being... The reason I asked if it was assertive is sometimes we all need a little calling out. Was that one of the moments where maybe it was appropriate? I don't know. I didn't think the please try to govern yourself with a higher level of integrity. I, I'll be honest, Tea Time. I think that's a little much. Mm-hmm. But it got the job done. And you're addressing what amounts to thievery, but it's a very mild form of it. The The communal kitchen at the office is the second most likely trouble spot in the office when we do etiquette surveys or quizzes. Part wow. of it is cleaning up after yourself. This is a great point to mention. Clean up after yourself when you're using that shared kitchen. Apply a Listen, hospital standard. Listen, I can't standard. help it that Stephen beats me to washing my own dishes, okay? <laughs> I leave them there to soak for a minute. I start doing emails. I start writing the script. And the next thing you know, I forgot. I'm so I was going to no, say I'm teasing. hospital standard, <laughs> not your home standard. Um, this is such oh, a good question. Kind of and I don't think your note was necessarily wrong. Particularly, it seemed to get the job done. You do want to be careful about how you're perceived in the office. Yeah. And also, I think that Lizzie's yeah. got some questions about tone. And I, I, I think that they're appropriate questions to ask because you don't want to have a reputation around the office as being number one. <laughs> and I. I remember distinctly when one of our interns put a note on the water pitcher that said, you know, refill after you pour yourself a cup. And I was just like, "You, who do you think you are walking into this kitchen putting notes on things like <laughs> whippersnapper? And it, I do think you got to think about your standing a little bit. Who are you at the company? You know, are you the boss? Like when Peter walks in and says, don't mess with the sink, that's a don't mess with the sink message to all of us. I personally don't think the note's the way to go. I think you just got to say, hey, I just want to bring it up in the staff meeting. Things have been going missing in the fridge. (laughs) These are items people pay for. This is stuff people count on having there. Personally, I saw my juice go missing. If I think own it, own it. I'm big on owning it. I don't like the notes that are like anonymous finger wagging. Would you put the note on the juice? I wouldn't put a note on anything. Nothing, note I on nothing. I would talk about it. I would talk say, listen, my, what happened when my juice went missing? Do you remember that? I had my cayenne pepper and my lemon juice <laughs> go missing from the kitchen. I we think I have the cayenne pepper. We found the cayenne pepper. pepper in Dan's kitchen at home, so we understood what happened there. But the lemon juice, which was, you know, it was like organic, nice, good lemon juice, which I don't usually buy. It just, the whole bottle just got thrown out. And I said, listen, you know, if it's not yours, please don't touch it. You can always ask, but I'd really prefer if that didn't happen. So there you go, tea time. <laughs> Lizzie could not sympathize anymore. In fact, she still remembers the time her juice went missing. But I don't think that a note is the way to go. I like the fact that your note actually got you your juice back, but I, I do think that's one. Own it. 
talk to people about it, speak about it, because I think you come across better than you do if it's if it's silent. The only thing I'm going to add to this very long answer now <laughs> is that sometimes when it comes to thievery, it it is nice to be able to return something anonymously. So it's why if you do bring it up in a staff meeting or you bring it up to the team, say, I don't care who did it. I'm just really hoping it shows back up in the fridge. And then you don't have to demand that a specific person return it to you. Tea time. We hope that helps. And we hope that in the future, the refrigerator is a safe place to it leave should your be. stuff. It should be. Because it really should be. It should be. You hear that? She says you're not as rude as you used to be. What do you know? Thanks to everyone for sending in your questions. And remember, we love updates. If we answered your question on the show or if you have a comment about one of our questions, feel free to send it in. You can also submit your question to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Leave a message for us on our answering machine at 802-866-0860 or send it in via Facebook or Twitter. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so we know you want it on the show. So for our Postscript segment today, we have a delightfully opinionated section from Emily Post's Etiquette 9th edition. This is the 1955 edition, and it is on brunch. Now, Dan and I both know that brunch is ever – it's like everybody's favorite thing to go to. Nobody wants to go to breakfast. Nobody wants to go to lunch. Let's go to brunch. I've got to say that this particular topic jumped off the page at Lizzie and me because the morning that this came up, Pooja and I have been driving into work talking about how we would love to go get a brunch at Vermont's premier brunch location. And at the top of the show, we talked about how it was peak leaf peeper oh, totally. time here in Vermont. Totally. This is a hot tip. For anybody coming to visit the Burlington area, Shelburne Farms is an absolute do not miss. It's the former Vanderbilt estate. It's on the shore of Lake Champlain, just south of Burlington. And it's an absolutely remarkable estate property. And they've got an inn, the the inn at Shelburne Farms, that have a brunch. And it's a a really nice thing to do. Pooja and I were talking about going. She was like, oh, I can get a mimosa. And I said, or a Bloody Mary. And then I love how you guys, uh, like, brunch instantly allows you to drink at breakfast. Well, that's what we started talking about. these like fruity, delicious things that you can do, but really it's just drinking in the morning. And <laughs> while that might not be something that I want to promote or brag about, it was what came up. So we were talking about brunch and what a good time it would be to go have a brunch at the Shelburne Farms. You want to hear what your great-great-grandmother had to say about brunch? I am so curious. All right. Get ready for a smackdown. Luncheon or lunch, but not brunch. Pretentious people always say luncheon. Most of us prefer to say lunch. The meaning is the same. But do not give encouragement to that single-headed, double-bodied deformity of language, brunch. Ouch. The word is an ungracious one, which furthermore has a hurried lunch wagon suggestiveness. Breakfast, on the other hand, has a home-like break-of-the-day friendliness that brings to mind every degree of hospitality from country breakfasts to hunt meats and weddings. Brunch, breakfast at lunchtime, calls to mind standees at a lunch counter, but not the beauty of hospitable living. I mean... Tell us how you really feel, Emily. No kidding! Great, great grandmama. What? Wow. I tell you, every time I dig into one of her old books, I'm reminded of 
what a good writer she was. Oh, well, how she much could, character she had. She could really turn a phrase. It's really remarkable. I know. Don't you love the single-headed, double-bodied deformity of language? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's so funny because brunch is such a commonplace thing now. Yeah. It's but, become n- normal and... Here's my question, though. Do you know what a hunt meet is? It's H-U-N-T-M-E-E-T-S. Hunt meets. I'm not super clear on it, but it, it it does bring to mind when you go to the Wikipedia. You did a little history article okay. about brunch. They have an amazing quote that talks about the origin of the meal. And okay. sort of since we're sharing delicious old quotes, I thought I would share with you a passage from the writer Guy Berenger's article, Brunch, a Plea. And this was from Hunter's Weekly from the late 1800s. And Guy writes, Instead of England's early Sunday dinner, a post-church ordeal of heavy meats and savory pies, why not a new meal served around noon that starts with tea or coffee, marmalade and other breakfast fixtures before moving along to the heavier fare? By eliminating the need to get up early on Sunday, brunch would make life brighter for Saturday night carousers. It would promote human happiness in other ways as well. Brunch is cheerful, sociable, and inciting, Barringer wrote. It is talk-compelling. It puts you in a good temper. It makes you satisfied with yourself and your fellow beings. Oh, really? It sweeps away the worries and cobwebs of the week. I he wants to get brunches, up later. His brunches had a lot of mimosas and Bloody Marys at them, I, I think. The nature of brunch has stayed the same, this tells me, for 120 years. We um, want to wake up late and still eat breakfast. And start with a stiff, hot, strong cup of coffee. I really appreciate the origin of this meal. And I like the idea that this informal tradition that started as a hunting tradition for late Saturday night carousers um, has normalized over time. It reminds me of the story of the tuxedo, which started at Tuxedo Park very informal and now is the standard for formality so there you have it emily sitting there begging that brunch not be something that we grab onto and guy Beringer sitting there saying how absolutely wonderful and delightful and perfect the greatest thing since sliced bread <laughs> and sliced bread would be served two etiquette salutes for you today. Hi, Dan and Lizzie. I love your podcast and frequently listen to it in the car with my children. They listen and ask questions, so I know they are absorbing some of it. I love our little listeners. I really, really do. Our young listeners just, they warm my heart. I would like to send out an etiquette salute. My husband and I just attended the Air Force Ball last Friday in Honolulu, Hawaii. Even though he has been in the service for nine years, this was our first ball, and it was incredible. I rented a gold sparkly dress from Rent the Runway, and the dress was perfect. I received many compliments over the evening. At the end of the ball, I was coming out of the restroom and saw a woman in the lobby wearing the same dress. We saw each other and laughed. She ran up and hugged me and said, don't we have awesome taste? We chatted for a while and I learned she is new to the military spouse world. So I shared about our past few assignments. It was a lovely conversation that turned what could have been an awkward encounter into a highlight from the evening. So Thank you to her for her grace and to everyone else. If you see a woman wearing your dress, you never know. She could be your next new friend. Sincerely, Mary in Hawaii. Isn't that sweet? Thank you, Mary. And I'm so jealous you're attending balls. That's so much fun. (laughs) Our second etiquette salute today begins... 
Hi, Lizzie and Dan. Congrats on your first year. I love the podcast, which I found via the Splendid Table and the Infinite Guest Network. I'm dealing with issues involving an elderly parent, which requires a monthly trip from my home in Maryland to Connecticut, a five-hour trip on a good day. So your podcast really helps to pass the time. Now the salute. When I drive up, I stop at one of the rest areas for coffee. I was in line in front of three teenage boys, about 15 years old. Whenever the server asked a question about their order, they answered, yes, please, no, please, or when they didn't understand a polite, excuse me. So a shout out to those polite young men and to their parents who probably spent a lot of time saying things like, how do you ask for things? What's the magic word, etc. Thanks for the podcast, Kathleen. And thank you, Kathleen, for sharing. Teenagers get such a bad rap they in do. today's world. It's and there so are nice so, so hear. many of them doing so well. Way to go, guys. Well, now, uh, wasn't that better? Look at the effect of a little politeness. That's our show for today. As always, thank you for listening and spending some of your day with us. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. And don't forget, there's no show without you. So please send us your questions, your etiquette salutes, and your suggestions to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. If you like what you hear, don't be shy. Tweet it, Facebook post it, and of course you can subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. On Facebook, we're the Emily Post Institute and Awesome Etiquette. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. Or you can visit our website, emilypost.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner, and our show is produced by Hans Buto. Thank you.